Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Jared Weiss, CLNS Radio. Isaiah, is this the toughest loss you've had to endure so far? Um, yes, uh, it was very emotional for me, just because we gave it our all. I mean, we never put our head down, and like I said, this group of guys is is something special. And and I I played. I mean, I gave it my all, so that's why it hurts that much more. Um, I wish I could have done more, but it just happened to be like that. So it is tough on me. We learned a lot through this playoff series, but one of the things that I learned is we've got to get better. And um, you know what? That starts with me. I've got to get better. And then, uh, you know, I think each of our players will look at that accountably as well. And we're all, we're all going to be better the next time we take the court. Uh, like I just told Isaiah, we just got to keep chipping at it and keep getting better. Um, of course, um, it's going to be only one team to have a successful year. And that's when you hold a trophy up. So. Uh, until we do that, it's, it's not a successful season. Uh, but we're going to keep building and keep working. That's all i got to say about it. The Celtics season is over. They lose 104-92 in game six of the first round versus the Atlanta Hawks. We're going to talk about this game, and then we're going to come back for part two. We're going to talk about the season. So welcome to the final Garden Report of the year on CLNS Radio and Celtics Blog. Yes, I'm the boss. Welcome to our final episode of the Garden Report postgame show for this playoff run as the Celtics season ends in what was initially a horrific fashion and then ended up being a, you know, kind of impressive comeback, I guess, in the end. So I'm joined by Kevin O'Connor of Celtics Blog and Sam Packard of WEI. I'm Jared Weiss of CLNS Radio. We're going to talk about two things here. First part, we're going to talk about this game in this series. Second part, we're going to talk about this season. So first off, the Celtics are knocked down when they lose Avery Bradley. Losing Avery Bradley was something that was an incredible handicap for this series that made it almost, it made, made it an incredible challenge for the Celtics to try to win. And it was really revealed tonight as the Celtics did not have the outside shooting that he provides and just quite enough of that versatile defense that they need, Sam. Yeah, you really saw in games five and six where they, the Hawks would blitz Isaiah Thomas and he'd pass it away. He'd make the right pass and uh, the Celtics would have a four-on-three opportunity, and if they had a good shooter or someone like Avery Bradley where they could swing it to, they'd be more uh, of a lethal offense, but because they didn't really have anyone who was a threat from deep, you could see those three Hawks players kind of sink in and force the, the Celtics to try to do something around that, and they really couldn't tonight. When you're relying on Evan Turner and Marcus Smart to be kind of reliable knockdown three-point shooters, you're going to lose basketball games. Yeah, and Jay Crowder not being in the game for the Celtics as well. He's played in the game, but essentially, at 2 for 11, I think, tonight, he was a non-factor on the offensive end of the floor. And there's not enough can be said about the impact Crowder made all season long, stretching the floor before his second high ankle sprain, his ability to drive closeouts. And the Celtics really lacked that in this series, which would have, I think, been a significant boost on the offensive end. And Kelly Olynyk being hurt yeah. for the kind of pick and pop stuff like that, just injuries piled up and the Celtics really ran out of gas. You don't, you don't want to blame the injuries, but at the same time, no, I'm blaming them. They, they, they all happen at the Why same not? time and they're, they played a huge role in this series, ending at six and not seven. I mean, the three key outside shooters for this team that are off the ball were all hurt. And Jonas Jerebko stepped into that role and he really had a tremendous series. And I think he was the one guy in this series that really game in and game out elevated the team. It was the one guy that I think just had a great, they could really be proud of what they did. Isaiah Thomas obviously 
there's so much pressure on him that you can't blame him for the loss. He made a lot of mistakes. I mean, I really hammered him after Game 5 because I thought he played terrible defense during those huge runs that the Hawks went on. But overall, the Hawks, like every team at this, every team, the Cleveland, the only other team they played in the playoffs during this era, they figured out that they could double Isaiah towards the later end of the series as the rest of the team was a little worn down. And the Celtics don't really respond that well to him being trapped throughout the game. Beginning of Game 5, they did a pretty decent job. Tonight, it was mostly guys having to come back and bail him out. They couldn't trap Isaiah Thomas, and then the Celtics couldn't really continue to run a play out of that. They really just needed to reset the ball, and that really slowed the pace down for them. And even though they took 20 more shots on the Hawks, the Hawks shot uh, 15% better and really were shooting 20% better until the Celtics went on that big run. Yeah, I mean, with Isaiah Thomas... He's obviously the Celtics' best player, right? And he is a significant reason why they won as many games as they did this year. But I think it really illustrates how much they need another guy. Because as good as Isaiah is, he can't handle the load all by himself as a five foot eight, five foot nine point guard. He needs help. And we'll talk about that more in part two, what they can do, what they should do. But I think this series and last year versus Cleveland illustrates, if anything, just how much they need more than what they currently have now. So the Celtics twice in the last 30 years in the playoffs have taken 23s and shot worse than 20%. They would have been there tonight, but they had a few threes in the end and they finished with 22%. But this was a team Garbage that... Garbage time. Yeah. And those were, I mean, that was like the big comeback where like you're going to make a bunch of plays. They hit the threes, which was great. Jay Crowder hit a few, which kind of came out of nowhere to close it out. Uh, but was there something that the Celtics should have done or could have done differently that would have turned the tables in the series? Or was this just really an amalgamation of how things were going to have to play out with the disadvantage that they had? Sam, we'll go to you first. I think if they maybe had more practice times, they may have more like counters or more but better reacting to the doubles. But really, I didn't see like they made the right basketball plays. They just a lot of the times came down to shot making and. That's kind of, I feel like after every garden report where they had a loss, we said, well, they didn't make their shots tonight. And that's how it, it always is. That's how it always is. The, if they just don't have enough outside shot making, they're not going to win a lot of games. That's why they need to improve that in the offseason. And I think it's going to be the main skill they target. But we'll talk about that in part two. Sam, Sam's 100% right. Um, but at the same time, I, I think Brad was a little bit slow to pull Sullinger from the starting lineup. Jonas Strapko should have been in there game two, in my opinion. I think Sullinger should have been probably a DNP tonight and last game and probably the game before that. You don't want to – it's not blaming Sullinger, but this just wasn't the series for him in terms of matchups. At the same time, though, like Brad's like a loyal person, and if you is. bench Sullinger in game two, you may lose him for the rest of the series. Which they did. So, I mean, you can, you can argue that in hindsight, but I feel like there's a certain kind of loyalty to the players or faith that they're going to perform eventually. So if you completely go away from them, you have risk the chance of losing them. I agree that he could have uh, started Jarebko earlier, but there's something to be said of just kind of sticking with what you have and uh, trying to move forward with that. I think you're right, but at the same time, you know, if the Celtics had won this series... Mm-hmm. Sollinger would have been an asset against Cleveland next round, so his time would have come, whereas maybe Zeller's time would have been now, or Jonas's time would have been a little bit earlier than it was. But it's all what-ifs, and it's really hard to know what would have happened. Well, it's kind of every playoff series. A coach, if they're down, they always have to deal with that. They're always, yeah. There's always – you can probably look across the league and find the same thing, that mm-hmm. some, rota- some important rotation player that you were expecting to be better for you eventually gets pulled from the rotation. And frankly, I thought after game one, I, w- I wanted to see Jarebko coming out yep. there for game two more. And frankly, over the last couple, I'd say the last two games, I thought Solinger played too many minutes. I mean, tonight, he played six and a half, and I already thought that was too many. Because he played, uh, he had like two minutes at the beginning where he was like looking okay. And then the Hawks just started putting him kind of isolated in the, between two players on the weak side. And he was just stuck in the middle. They ran around him. They scored. They had like eight points in a row, I think, just going really attacking Solinger. And Stevens could have pulled the plug a little bit earlier. He held. He held out a little too long. And you are absolutely right that a coach just has to have faith in his players. But at a certain point, you've. I feel like you've kind of waited for things to come around long enough, and it just didn't happen. They really dealt with that with Solinger already, where they invested so much. They invested three years into letting him develop a reliable three-point shoot shot, and it just hasn't happened. And the team is still really going through this debate coming up to the last game of when do we have them shoot a three, when do we have them shoot a long two. And at a certain point, they had to cut bait, and they did it at the end of the season. And they really didn't do it quite quickly enough with Jared. And 
But it's easy to harp on, I think, that Jared Sellinger's crappy six minutes, but if he played... <laughs> it's not the reason why If he lost. played a crappy three minutes, they still would have lost by yeah. 12. So I think it's like, yes, there's like nitpicks we can decide, but the fact of the matter is they just ran up against a much more talented Atlanta Hawks team. A much healthier team as a well. A much healthier yeah, yeah. team and a team that uh, is streaky and is a very good shooting team. And we saw when they can go on runs, especially when the Celtics are not making shots and they have a bunch of opportunities in transition, they're going to lose the basketball game. As everything's kind of connected. So as much as you can point to kind of those adjustments, I think Stevens uh, in-game is pretty good at working with his rotation. So if he's not uh, – have the right adjustment at the start of the game. I think he's normally figured it out by the fourth quarter. And one last note on kind of the injuries. I think one thing that's kind of gone overlooked is Isaiah Thomas's left wrist hand injury. He's used his right a lot more the past two weeks, and, and he's missed a lot of his lefty layups. I think early in the series, he had a couple like wide open layup misses. I mean, where he was lightly contested and he just clanked it off the backboard. And Game two, he missed every missed shot. Missed a took. lot of them. And, wide open bunnies. Yeah. And I mean, I wonder. I mean, he's had two surgeries on that wrist. I wonder if it was hurting him more than he was letting on. I mean, maybe that's something he has another operation on this summer. Who really knows? We'll but, find out. But I, I think it was more of a problem in the series than people think, and that really affected his ability to finish at the rim. We'll find out when they announce his third surgery in June. Who knows? Um, you hope not. Kelly Olynyk probably. I think we're, we got an injury announcement yeah. coming for him as we'll a surgery see. announcement. Uh, Jared Solinger, who knows? Uh, we're going to go to part two. We're going to talk about all those things here. But quickly, how do you think the Hawks fare against Cleveland? They look like a team that's ready to go up against Cleveland and take them deep. Nope. Cleveland has Kyrie Irving and LeBron James. They're not going to lose. And Kevin Love. And Kevin Love. Yeah, I mean, I th- I'd take Cleveland in the series probably mm. in five or six. I like Atlanta a lot, but I. I I think Cleveland. I think six. I think the nice. fact that I was thinking the too. fact that we saw Atlanta. I feel like Atlanta gave away games three and four. Yeah. It was kind of they Celtics had no business really winning those. And I think Atlanta lacks kind of the mental toughness. I know they eventually pulled it out, but there's made some stupid plays and kind of gave the game away. Schroeder is out to lunch. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm done with him. <laughs> I love Dennis Schroeder. Very quickly, one minute more. Kevin, I'll start with you. Can we hand out some awards in the series? Who is your MVP of the series? MVP for everybody or just the Celtics? Everybody. Everybody. Paul Millsap might be a surprise, but I thought his defense was spectacular. It's not a surprise. He's the biggest star of the team. If you throw away that 45-point game, I think people would say, oh, he stunk, which he did offensively, but his defense was spectacular. I thought he was a stud on defense, and it's really amazing to see how far he's come as a player. And I, I think he blocked at least three or four of Isaiah Thomas's shots. At the four rim. tonight. Four he tonight. Had, he had four in game four. He, 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 was, he was really special on the defensive end of the floor. He's really one of the best players in the NBA now. Especially in the playoffs. Do you have a different I'm trying to think us? of someone different. And well, I you got, can look over here. No, I know yeah. all the players. I got nothing. I mean, so Kurt I, Bazemore, maybe? Bazemore. Kurt Bazemore, yeah. <laughs> Favorite name in the NBA. <laughs> Uh, I mean, Jeff Teague was great. Kyle Gorver was great. But Paul Millsap is the guy. Yeah. He's the best player on both ends. Uh, mm-hmm. Really, I, I mean, despite the – including the 45-point game, I still think it was his defense that yeah. is what made him so great for this team. Because Al Horford kind of went up and down there in the middle of the series. He had a great night to finish it tonight. But Paul was just consistently elite defensively. Really, he was the reason why the Hawks were able to tr- collapse that pain. I mean, he just – Really did it. For, he covered the ground. He probably must have contested like 40 shots a game. <laughs> really one of the best performances across the NBA in the first round. So we'll be back for part two with another long one where we just go deep into what's going to happen over the next couple months. So be right back on this playlist here on the Garden Report on CLNS Radio and Celtics Blog. It sucks lose like this. Um, you know, it's, it's not fun. Uh, but, you know, all, like I said, all credit to Atlanta. They, uh, they played better than us today. Uh, you know, we, we got to learn from this and, and, and be better than we were today. It's tough. You know what I'm saying? It's definitely tough. Uh, nobody wants to, you know, dip out, you know, first round. Um, credit to uh, you know, credit to the Hawks. They played great. Um, they executed well, and uh, they, they, did, they, did, they did a great job. How long the season? It's been a very successful season as a group. Is this... Defeat this elimination, take the luster off the season itself. I mean, season and playoffs are two different things, you know what I'm saying? Once again, uh, it's, it's, it's tough. You know, it's a horrible way to end, you know, considering, you know, uh, you know what we were able to accomplish throughout the season. Um, you know, once again, right now, it's, everything is tough, but, you know, when you sit down and you think about it, you know, you just gonna have to bounce back somehow, and that's it. <laughs> Calling
calling card of this group is that it doesn't give up. And so we're going to find that out because it's 27 right now. And so, you know, they gave us a chance to win a lot of games with their with that mindset. I, I think the, the biggest thing is when you're when you're in and it's it's tough right now because of the emotions of the moment and losing the series. Um, and the way that we lost in the last games, in the last two games. But I think that, um, you know, from a big picture perspective, I feel good about our progress. We have great opportunities to move forward with our future flexibility. And, um, and I think that over time, though tonight is sour and you have a sour feeling about it, it will make guys more more encouraged to get into the gym. I mean, this this is this is uh, you know for young guys, sour is not all bad, right? Because it's like me. I mean, I'm 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 gonna go home and watch what I can do different. I know that, and you know I I hope that our guys feel the same way. They need to take some time off, but after that, you know, let's get better. All right, welcome here to part two, where we look ahead for the Celtics. Your season is over now, and we talked about how they were going to make a ton of changes before the trade deadline, and that didn't happen. We did it during the offseason, that didn't happen. So it kind of has to happen now because they have their crazy amount of draft picks in this draft, and they probably have to cut like every guy on the roster to fit them <laughs> in, basically. So there are probably going to be moves happening here. So first off, let's figure out who should say and who should go. We're going to play Celtics Tinder, an idea that Kevin stole from Liberty Ballers. Second time I've said that because we have to make sure that you get the credit for stealing it. So... Swipe left if you don't think the guy should say. Swipe right if you do think the guy should say. Let's start. Let's skip Isaiah Thomas. Let's skip Jay Crowder because if anyone thinks that they shouldn't still be shouldn't here, shouldn't we only do I don't free think agents? Yeah, let's do free agents. Well, the guys get traded away. So okay. let's start with the first free agent, Jared Solinger. Swipe left. Get him out of here. Yeah, we'll just, see you, Jared. He's Why? Had, he's had too much time, and right. I and I think guys like him are going to, going to become extinct in the NBA unless they stretch their range out the three-point range, which he can, but he hasn't. he hasn't. And I wouldn't want to trust that he does. I think he's a perfectly fine player. I just think some other team's going to drastically overpay him, yeah. so there's no reason to waste that, that, that cap space that on too. him. Swipe left. Kind of seems like a poor man's Ryan Anderson signing, and Ryan Anderson was already considered to be a little overpaid. And Jared isn't really half the player that Ryan Anderson, or they want him to be Ryan Anderson, but he just proven that he can't really do it. So swipe him out of here. We do like Jared. I think we all agree with that. Yep. And there's still a lot of potential there, but it just hasn't worked out. And they're going to have to make room for this next guy, I think. And they're going to have to let him go. Evan Turner. I'm swiping really hard right at $10 million. Swiping right at $12 million, But I'm not so sure how much further I can swipe right as the price goes higher. Kevin, what say you? I think Sam's swiping right. You're swiping I right. think that the think dancing was down uh, right there. indicative of That's my swiping right. That's because we're going to have him right. back on the podcast. You're giving the blue right. star, which... Ooh, I don't even know what a blue star is, but sure, E.T. I assume it. that's sexual. <laughs> Give them like a notification or something. Oh, okay. nice. You know, I think, I don't want to like toot my own horn, but I think like two years I'll ago toot it away. when everybody was like, oh, Evan Turner sucks, right? I was one of the people who were like, hey, give him a chance. He does some good things, and he has done good things. And you've been pointing out how good defensively he's been this year, I think, more he, than pretty much anybody, even pretty, more than I have. He's been pretty spectacular yeah. on defense. But at the same time, if we're talking about the Celtics adding a star player, that minimizes ball handling opportunities for Evan Turner, which minimizes the things that he does well in the system, right? So And I, makes him ineffective if he isn't if playing with the it, ball on his If hands. he's a corner three shooter, there are about 50 guys in the NBA you'd rather have as a corner, corner Way more shooter than, than Evan Turner. So I'm swiping left on Evan Turner, even though I've been swiping right for years on him. I, I'm, I'm swiping left only because you got to think big, and that's just – that's just the way I feel. My swipe right's a bit of a strategic swipe right because I think he's going to swipe right for the Celtics. He will. Because I think he's uh, likely to take kind of a, a discount. I think he likes it in Boston. This is entirely speculation, but I feel like he, it's a system where he's finally comfortable and a situation where he's finally comfortable. So I think he'd be willing to come back for less money. So that's why I'm just I'm just trying to increase my odds because I think he's gonna he likes me I like him maybe we can get together. And and you're right I mean even though we talk a lot about superstars the chances are they won't get one even though they, there's a good chance that they, they could there's, the chances are that they won't so 
Evan Turner is a fantastic role player, and whether he stays in Boston or goes somewhere else, he's going to make a positive impact. You got to go player. after the tens, but you're not going to get a bunch of tens. So <laughs> sometimes, sleep with some, a six. So, sometimes you might get a ten, though. Some, you still try for the ten, but then you have a backup six, and that's Evan Turner. <laughs> is Evan Turner really? Only he's actually six? technically an eleven, although he is a six man, so he, he could be a six. Yeah. I was talking about purely about his uh, physical <laughs> appearance. Okay, so let's look at non-guaranteed contracts. Amir Johnson, swiping left, swiping right, twelve million a year. Can I swipe right on a trade, like keep him for trade? Sure. Uh, I mean, if, if you have it's, to, it's a made-up I game. Mean, you can do whatever you. You're like. kind of you're kind of sw you're really I mean, just like closing. A, a, as the a app player, I don't. I would prefer to move on from Amir Johnson because okay. his his ankles are ticking time bombs. Mm -hmm. I think, and I I don't know if he can sustain again for a full season. He's the highest paid player on the team, and that's crazy town. Yeah. Swipe left. I mean, he won't be. He won't be. They're going to throw that money at somebody, obviously. Yeah, what it. if they yeah. don't, man? Who knows? So I just right. wanted to do that on camera. Now, what about Jonas Jarebko, the Swedish Larry Bird? Bring him back. He's hot. <laughs> he can shoot the three ball. He's, he's very not sweet. He's very good at rebounding. Uh, he's cheap at $5 million a year. There's really no reason not to. Uh, he's a charming individual. Um, he's got washboard abs. I mean... I <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would swipe right unless you need to include his contract in a trade. Because I think, you know, he's a guy who could... So you're still swiping right then? I'm swiping right unless you I mean, can, you're waiting until the non... I mean, you're trading I'm, I'm him like, before his I'm like, I mean, if there was a way to, like, wait, I would wait. But yeah. I would Guys, swipe if right. Tinder actually had all these conditions, <laughs> it would not be an effective <laughs> app. This game is supposed to be very quick swipe, decisions. boom, boom, boom. Yeah, just left or right. I'm probably swiping right. There you go. All right, so anybody else we should cover? Let's Get rid of James it. Young at this okay. point. That's swipe all left. I have to say. So, yeah, left. James Young, no. Tyler Zeller, we're swiping swipe left. left. I love Tyler yeah. Zeller. I, I like Zeller, but, I mean, he's, I don't think he has a role all in right. this team. Let's say, let's take all the young guys that are below their third year. Is there anybody you're swiping, that you're trying to trade now, the guys that are on their rookie contract? I mean, I'd trade anybody that would yeah. get, get a star player to Boston. Well, anyway. sure. I mean, who's someone that you would actively try to move because you don't think he's worth keeping around through his rookie deal? Um, if anybody thinks James Young has value, I would ship him out. Not, no, he's already forgotten okay. that point. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, so who I are we just don't think we to? know. So there's R.J. Hunter. Would you be yeah, looking sure. to add R.J. I mean, Hunter into a deal? I mean, I, I, I think. Gier, Marcus Smart is a big one, obviously. Well, I, I would try to move away from trading Smart as much as I could and lean towards getting rid of Avery Bradley. I think some teams might value Bradley over Smart right now, but I think if you look ahead two years from now, I'd put Smart well ahead of Bradley. Mm -hmm. Well ahead. Then I guess it just comes down to Kelly Olynyk. So Kelly Olynyk is a year away from being extension eligible. Mm -hmm. He's someone that has made a lot of strides, but continues to be an awkward player that kind of struggles to really assert himself within the game. But he's shown that his skill is steadily improving, and obviously it was a rough playoffs, but we know he was playing hurt. So would you try to move Kelly Olynyk now, or would you continue to wait and and then I guess sign him as a restricted free agent. This game is a farce. We don't have to make a decision on Kelly right now. But if, we're swiping on everybody now. But if the deal presents itself, like there's a lot more. Obviously. I feel like the free agents is a prime example where you could swipe left and right. But Kelly, it's like, maybe if a deal comes <laughs> up, then I have to know what I'm getting back. Yeah, so am yeah, I yeah. getting back like yeah. equal parts? Mm -hmm. Kelly Olenek's a perfectly fine player. And he does things very well. I'm not actively looking to trade him, but sure, why not? I'll trade pretty much anyone. Here are my untouchables. Isaiah, Crowder, and that's about it. Anyone else I can, I'll throw in a deal. Yeah, I'm, you said exactly what I was Damn saying. right, I mean, Kevin! But, but I'd swipe right on Kelly as a player. I think if he's not a great player on the Celtics someday, someday he will be for somebody else. That's okay. just the way I feel about Kelly. All right, last one, Brad Stevens. <laughs> Swiping right over and over and over again. Should the Celtics Stevens. give him a five-year, $50 million? Would you, trade, would you yes. trade Brad Stevens for LeBron James today? Absolutely not. <laughs> Have you seen Brad's uh, vertical? You see him jump, jump no, on no, the No, 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 I'm saying like... You can throw it down. Coach, if you could somehow maneuver it... What, yeah, I'd rather you... have LeBron with like a, like a stick figure standing on the sideline, but Brad is by far the next best solution. I, I, yeah, you trade. I would rather have LeBron him. James playing with the wacky, waving, inflatable tube band coaching from the sideline. I mean, it's a hypothetical question. I mean, if, I mean, I think what can, I just said can, can, can you happen. can you sign a star player? That's our next segment. Uh, who's the guy 
out there in the free agent market that you think the Celtics have a legitimate shot at actually signing or a guy that they could trade for that they can make a move for? Who's someone that is an actual legitimate, realistic possibility for them? For a trade or free agency? Anything. I mean... Acquisition. Put aside Kevin Durant. Uh, yeah, I think put we're a, talking about no Kevin Durant. Um, I mean, I think you look at guys and situations that are changing, like Jimmy Butler, Blake Griffin, you know, James Harden, DeMarcus Cousins, even though he just said he wants to stay and be a lifer in Sacramento. I mean, <laughs> guy, guys like that in situations where things are moving and a star player could be on a move or an organization might prefer to have a top draft pick and a player like an Avery Bradley type or another young player, future draft picks. Situations like that, I'd focus on those and try to avoid stable situations. Just focus on teams that just got eliminated from the playoffs early or didn't even make the playoffs. So what are the odds that Jimmy Butler is a Celtic next season? I'll put it in my, like, 5-1 to one odds, really. I'm going to say, like, 5-35 to 35 odds. I don't know what that means, but it's it sounds, one in seven sounds like I'm losing do, a lot of money. It's 1-7. in seven. I was just picking random numbers. Uh, I think there's a good chance because the Bulls situation seems kind of um, messed up right now. And I think uh, him and Jay Crowder, they're uh, Golden Eagle friends at, from Marquette. I think they'd work well together. The one guy that I don't think has been talked about, who's I'm pretty sure unrestricted free agent, is playing down in Charlotte right now, is Nick Batum. Mm. I think he'd be a very good fit here. I think you could slide Crowder up to the four and have a very good starting lineup with Bradley, Batum, Crowder, and Isaiah Thomas, and whoever else you're going to uh, throw in there. Another target I would like is, uh, we saw him here tonight, Al Horford. I think he would work very well in the Brad Stevens system of being kind of an outside shooter, and we saw the rim protection he provides. But who knows? I feel like both those guys are likely just sign with the, the current teams they're on and we'll end up with uh, someone crappy like uh, Harrison Barnes. Now, if the Celt- let's, let's say the Celtics signed Horford and Batum to max contracts. Would that be an Ugh. effective use of their cap space? Would that no. be would that be would that set them up, you know, for a big trade someday? I mean, would that be enough, right? No. I think if you added Horford and Batum to this team, they're immediate contenders in the East. I think that team could challenge the Cavs in the East. I don't know if they're immediate championship contenders, but if you don't change the current roster whatsoever and only add those two guys, I think the team is becomes an elite team in the league. And I think they, why not? I don't think you could say like you might be wasting money on the contract in four years down the line, but I think they could actually have a legitimate chance of going for it. So why not? Now with Horford, I'm trying to play devil's advocate here. Do you think his age should play uh, into the factor? And two two, right around the same age. Should that play a role in like their decision making? Is everybody in this team the core is like in like the 22 to 26 range? Is adding a 31, 31, 30, 31-year-old big man maybe a bad long-term decision? Or is it like he can be a centerpiece, he's a leader, he's a proven vet? I mean, he's someone that you might have to add to the team. Are you trying to make deals to win championships now? Or are you trying to be like, kind of do small growth, small growth, small growth so you can win the championship mm-hmm. in 2020? Like, It depends on your strategy and what becomes available. It feels like if you have cap space now and those guys want to come, then at some point you're going to have to pull a trigger on one of these deals. At some point you're going to have to trade away one of the players you really like because in order to get something, you have to give up something. So it's either going to be your cap space or it's going to be one of the young players. I don't know. I, that's why I'm not a general manager. It's why I, but it's a hard decision to make, so I'm just going to be here to second-guess anything that happens. Well, l- listen, if they – so it depends how the traffic plays out, but if they could sign Horford and Batum <clears> – <throat> And they're still able to add another top-level talent, whether it's through trading that draft pick or by drafting somebody. I think that works out pretty nicely there. Mm-hmm. Um, but the timeline is clearly messed up there. And the thing is, with you have a starting lineup of Isaiah Thomas, Avery Bradley, with Marcus Markham off the bench, I assume still, Nick Batum, Jay Crowder, Al Horford. I'm not sure if that team can technically shoot the three ball well enough to really yeah. be good enough to get Pat. I mean, honestly, they could probably get out of the East there's a good chance that a team like that could get out of the East, although they still would not be as good as Cleveland or whatever the situation with LeBron is next year. But I don't see that team being able to beat some of the elite teams out, or at least the top three teams out in the West Coast. Yeah, uh, and that's kind, of, that, that's kind of an issue I have with Horford. I mean, I love Horford as a player. I think yeah. he's awesome. But at the same time, he's not necessarily a knockdown three-point shooter. But what fives are you going to get who offer the same well, amount yeah, of rim absolutely. protection? Very few. I, I think he's probably the ideal five you could get besides Draymond Green really right now. 100%. But, I mean, if you're spending all your cap, like two max contracts yeah. on Batum and Horford, not the guy you, to do you still need to add shooting elsewhere. And 
or else you're going to have another year. Like in, over the last three years, the Celtics rank ranked 29th in three-point percentage. Like they need to be better shooting threes. I mean, the closeout and, game, they almost had the worst three-point shooting like performance of the last three mm -hmm. years for this franchise. Mm -hmm. There's gonna, they're gonna have to find a w another way to get a better. What shooter. shooters right now are on the market or are available who are gonna be potential people the Celtics could sign Kevin this offseason? Yeah, really, just Kevin there's Durant. Kevin Durant, but Harrison then Barnes. I'm assuming, and uh, I would much rather Ryan have Anderson, Nick who I think everyone's a little shaky on how much you want to pay him right now. Jared um, Dudley, and then Jared Dudley, yeah, that's the only. There's only players who are shooters though, but if yeah. you if you want to bring in a complete player, I think Batum and Horford are kind of guys who can give you yeah, sure. a little bit of shooting and a lot of uh, yeah. everything else. I think it's just it would be odd just to target people who can only shoot, or someone like Ryan Anderson. I feel like Brad Stevens appreciates people who are one versatile and two complete players who play both on offense and defense. So I feel like I'm all in on Batum and uh, Horford. No, your team's a good team. And Absolutely. I like that. And you could go, you could do really well with them, but I, I don't I don't think that's a team that wins a title. I think that's a team that gets pretty close to winning a title. I, so, I just fear at some point at some point it. you're holding out every single trade is like, well, this isn't going to make us the immediate title contender, and then it's 2022 and you're screwed <laughs> because uh, Isaiah Thomas is old, Jay Crowder uh, hasn't lived up to it, Marcus Smart is old, and you just missed your window because you kept on holding like waiting for that perfect deal. Eventually, you're going to have to make a move and try to go for it and just, like hope that Brad Stevens can coach them into a championship. Will Marcus Smart ever get old? Is that, will that happen? Games like I feel like he'd be like 29 in that year, right? He'd be pretty close. Cool. Right around this prime there, yeah. So, yeah, carry I, the three. I, and then... I have a question of something that's been on my mind. Okay, a lot let's see this last. It's, it's so, been long. Let's see so, it, you know, let's say the Celtics sign Kevin Durant. Let's just say they sign him. And let's say they also had the number one pick and they took Ingram or Simmons. It really doesn't matter. Would the Celtics be better off? Trading that player, Ingram or Simmons, for a star like Blake Griffin or Jimmy Butler, or would they be better off keeping that player and using like their cap space to fill the gap that they have with their cap for you know a guy like a Horford or a Batum? Would they be better off you know going for like all the stars, like building the super team, or like doing what Cleveland did? Cleveland would be better now if they kept Andrew Wiggins mm -hmm. instead of trading for Kevin Love. I mean, would the Celtics possibly be making a mistake if they added Griffin or Butler? That's it. So not not Butler, but Griffin yeah. is well, kind of even, the even only Butler. guy you really think. Or even, Cousins. E yeah. I think even Griffin Butler, and Cousins are the two guys you're looking at. I don't really think they would do Butler because I'm assuming Jay Crowder's still here. And it's kind of hard to have Kevin Durant, Jay Crowder, and well, you know, actually not really. The, Jimmy Butler's so good. I guess yeah. you could do that. Pick so, Crowder at the five. Go crazy, yeah. Bounds. True. I, I, so, I can't wait until the team I would that prefer besides the Warriors. The Warriors do it. Oh, everybody else should do it if they have the yeah. players that can. But. So, I honestly, it's it didn't work as well with Cleveland as I think. Mm -hmm. Well, let's rephrase. Right now, we don't know because yeah. honestly, Cleveland could win the title this year. Yeah. Kevin Love could be freaking amazing. But they're not it could like work studly out. every night. Like That's true. But like you know, Miami, yeah, yeah. Chris Bosh took a huge mistake at first. And yeah. People thought they made a mistake not getting Amari, and then it was very apparent the next few seasons that Chris Bosh was the perfect guy to sign mm. there. Yeah. Just took him a year to figure it out. Same thing with Dwayne Wade. He didn't really have it figured out that first year. Cleveland, I mean, Miami was pretty clear during the regular season. The second year, Cleveland, not so much. Um, but, you know, they don't have Pat Riley looking over yep. their shoulders. And frankly, Eric Spolcher is a better coach than the guys they've had in Cleveland so far, although David Blatt obviously can get a second chance there. But um, Blake Griffin's a different player than Kevin Love. Um, Blake Griffin, I think, is a guy that you can't really take him out of his element like they were able to take Kevin Love out of his element. And I think they're still going to let him play his game even more so. And then DeMarcus Cousins, he, he's going to play the exact same game in Boston that he would that he was playing in Sacramento. So I think... He wouldn't have to adjust his game nearly as much as Kevin Love did. And it could work better with those guys. And DeMarcus Cousins is definitely young enough that it's worth doing it. And then Blake Griffin, I think, is, what, 26 now? Yeah, he's young, 27, yeah. something But there's like been that. some injury concerns, which is, yep. I think, the, the other big well, issue. that's part of it. Yeah. Although, frankly, he would have been healthy this year if he just didn't punch, his, punch a wall. Mm -hmm. It would have been a problem, problem. But, I mean, you get DeMarcus Cousins, and it works out with him. You've got the best player in the league on both ends really at his position or one of the two or three. I think you add Kevin Durant to this team right now and they're immediate title contenders. Definitely. I see no reason to kind of change that up. You still have max cap room. I don't think you need to go and add another max player for that. I say you would keep the draft pick and you try to put some quality role players in there who maybe add some shooting, maybe add some rim protection. You just go ahead with the current core and Kevin Durant and you bring up that young player off the bench, whoever it may be, uh, Simmons or Ingram and have them develop where they're not like 
expected to do a bunch because they're actually playing with a bunch of stars. Because I have a pretty like strong belief in like the talent of this young core. As long as they're not like relied on to be the superstars, as long as Isaiah Thomas is not your best player. But right now they have a very good four through or two through five or whatever the numbers are. And I think if you add Kevin Durant to that, you can use the rest of your cap space to go after kind of those bit players like a, a James Posey, Eddie House type. Yeah. Um, and you don't need that other star because I think uh, Kevin Durant, uh, with the current players they have, they doesn't need another player to give the ball. You'd have to give a bunch of things up to kind of go get someone like Blake Griffin or DeMarcus Cousins. I don't think it'd be worth it. So that, That's exactly kind of how I feel about it. I mean, I've, I've thought about it. I've, I've went through scenarios in my head, and I think – Long term, it might be best for the Celtics in the short term and long term to if they get the number one pick and if they were to sign Kevin Durant to keep the player because, you know, Kevin Durant won't be Kevin Durant forever. Right. I mean, it's, if in five years, six years, he may be a little bit of a shell of his former self. Right. He might be have he might not be able to create offense like he does now, but maybe at that point, Ben Simmons or Brandon Ingram or wh- whoever it is can be a guy. Murray. Uh, I'm not a picture uh-huh. player, but but whoever it is, I mean, insert player X here, whoever that guy Bond is, maker. might be ready to take on a superstar role. And instead, like if you have an older Kevin Durant six years from now, maybe you're struggling a little bit to find your next guy because you have picks 20 to 30 every single year. But if you have that guy in your back pocket, that's young star potential star player. Maybe it's a little bit better. And to Sam's point, you might have, like, just too many guys. I mean, if you had – let's, like, you had an all-star lineup of Blake Griffin, Al Horford, Kevin Durant, Avery Bradley, and Isaiah Thomas. That's, then you're immediately going to have, like, Instagram stupid things like the Cavs are having right now. There's it's, one ball. One ball. And you have a guy that can go off every night. But at the same time, that doesn't always translate. I mean, remember with the big three, people people never thought they would explode like they did. That was an extremely rare circumstance. It doesn't always work like it should or like it can. I mean, the Thunder should be better than they are in theory, but they're not. I mean, they, I think they should they should have probably have won a sh- championship by now, but they haven't. They haven't gotten to that level. Sometimes less is more. Filling in with, like, those James Posey is going to be a little bit better use of your cap space instead of having all-stars and a weak bench. All right, well, that's going to be it uh, for the Garden Report. We, we went really long with this. We'll probably split those up into four clips, honestly, just to make it more digestible. Uh, we're all exhausted here, so we're going to finish up here. Sam's going to rip his top off right now. I'm going to loosen the tie up here, too. So the draft lottery is a couple weeks away, or three weeks away, I guess. Uh, we'll definitely see you after that. We'll see if we can try to get even a little. Oh, watch out there. You're going to step on the mic. Um, so... Before Sam dies here. So we want to thank everybody that has stuck with our show for all these years, continues to enjoy our show. And we've got on these crazy characters right here with their different hairstyles and different personalities (laughs) and lack of respect for anything on this guy. It's a shirt. (laughs) People are allowed to wear undershirts. So here, I'll even show off my undershirt a little bit here too. So uh, we want to thank Jeremy Karp, who's behind the camera tonight. Kyle George, who has Kyle. been behind the camera for the last few years. Shout out to Kyle. Was Go watch the do... Gino documentary. It's the dopest dope. Check you know, it out on Celtics. Kyle is going to be back after doing a semester in L.A. Uh, for the next game, but unfortunately it didn't happen. So, mm-hmm. Kyle, we can't wait to have you back in rotation next year with Jeremy. Um, but thank you to everybody. You can find Kevin on Twitter, Kevin O'Connor MBA, the white, black, Frank White over here, Sam Packard MBA. Don't you dare say it. You can find me, Jared Weiss, at CLNS underscore Jared Weiss. Uh, so follow Celtics blog at, at Celtics blog, CLNS radio at CLNS radio. Jeremy, do you want me to say your Twitter on air? Do you even have Put it right here. Put it right here. Put it right there. Um, so thank you <laughs> to everybody. You can follow him. Right there. <laughs> and uh, that's it. Leave a comment on the YouTube page. Let us know what, how you thought of the show. You hate it. It sucked. Whether we should never come back again or if we should be here every single night. Uh, and uh, stay tuned because we'll have more updates on Twitter and Facebook and all that good stuff. Thanks to all our sponsors this year. Thanks to everybody. Thanks to the Garden Crew for putting up with us, sitting on the court at 2 in the morning, filming our crap. <laughs> uh, we love everybody that supports our show. We can't thank you enough. From everyone from Boston to the Philippines, Australia, all around the world, uh, thanks everybody, and we'll see you soon on the Garden Report. <laughs> program 
uh, Jay, just how frustrating was this series for you with your shot not following and you fouled out tonight? Yeah, it wasn't, uh, it was a very tough stretch for me. Um, but um, I'm not here to make any excuses about that. It was just tough. It was just a tough series for me, but uh, my teammates never, never stopped believing in me and I just tried to get through it. And um, I laced them up each and every night, gave them my, gave them my best. So I can sleep good knowing that I gave them all. Are you going to be just thinking about this series for a while this summer? It'll drive me to be uh, to work harder, for sure. Um, it'll drive me to be a different player than, when I, than, than, than I am today. So um, we'll use it as motivation and move on. Sherrod Blakely, Comcast Sportsnet. This question is actually for both of you guys. Uh, obviously, this team has ha had a better record and did a little bit better in the postseason than a year ago. But do you look at this season as a whole as a success, or is it more of a just kind of a work in progress from your perspective? Uh, like I just told Isaiah, we just got to keep chipping at and keep getting better. Um, of course, um, uh, it's going to be only one team to have a successful year, and that's when you hold a trophy up. So uh, until we do that, it's, it's not a successful season. Um, but we're going to keep building and keep working. That's all I got to say about it. Uh, Steve Balpet, Boston Herald. Guys, Isaiah, Jay, among the difficult parts, okay, you lose the series, that's tough. But when you look around the room and know that there's bound to be changes made with guys that you kind of bonded with for an entire season or longer, is that tough? Um, that's, that's just the business of the, of the NBA. Um, one thing I do know, I, I ride with these guys till the wheels fall off. I mean, this was a special group. Hopefully, we can all stick together and have something special in the future. But and I, lo I love those guys in the locker room, and hopefully, we can keep this together. That's what sucks about it. But like I said, it's a part of the business. But <clears throat> we did build a bond with each and every guy in the locker room, and it was fun. And we just tried to have fun each and every night. And we have a locker room that's bonding like the way we do and have fun. You don't ever want to see it end. And it was tough to end today. Uh, Bob Schron, the citizen. Tonight, um, it seems like you got the defense ramped up in the second quarter. You guys hit the wall. I mean, they're they're good, but was it psychological, uh, physical at that point? Or they went on the run. They went on the run. <clears throat> we didn't respond, and they created separation right before half. But um, I don't think it was anything else than that. They went on the run, and we didn't respond the right way. It's part of the game, and. That's the challenge within the game, and we didn't respond. Taylor Snow, Celtics.com. I know you guys aren't ones for excuses, but I mean, what was the challenge of playing through this series without Avery Bradley? Yeah, that hurt us a little bit. That's a, that's a key part of what we were about. Um, we tried to fight through it, and the next guy tried to step up. But um, of course, we missed him. We missed him a lot, and we missed what he brings to the team. And it sucks that it happened, but Andrew's a part of it. He had one that he couldn't fight through, and um, we just tried to step up for him. But at this time of the season, you got a lot of guys hurt, and his was just so unfortunate for us, but it kept him out, and it hurt us. John Tomasi, WEEI.com. Uh, what kind of case do you guys feel you've made to make Boston a destination for free agents this offseason? Um, I mean, our fans are amazing. This city is a sports town. Um, I, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. When you do get to experience what, what Boston Celtics basketball is like, it's like no other organization. So, I mean, as long as we keep getting better, hopefully we guys will start to choose um, Boston as a city they want to play in. Me and all the same thing. Speak for itself. The fans and this city and what it's about. <clears throat> Tradition there, everything is there for you to and we're winning. We're young we're a young group who love to win and play hard each and every night. So we let that take care of itself. Jared Weiss, CLNS Radio. Isaiah, is this the toughest loss you've had to endure so far? Um, yes. Um, it was very emotional for me. Just because we gave it our all. I mean we never put our head down and like I said this group of guys is is something special and and I I played I mean I gave it my all so that's why it hurts 
that much more. Um, I wish I could have done more, but it just happened to be like that. So it is tough on me, though. Isaiah, Mike Petralia, WEEI. Is it also particularly hard for you, obviously, given the fact that it was 2-2, you guys had momentum going, felt like you had everything going in your favor? It, it seems like it really hurts you. I mean, it did. They, it was 2-2. We went down there. They made an adjustment of where they were just going to try to do whatever they can to stop me. And um, guys continue to play through it. That's what I love about this group. Guys continue to shoot their shot and play with confidence. It's just we couldn't make enough plays. They, they, they made more plays than us. There was games where they went on that third quarter run, and it was like it's tough to get back in the game, especially against a good team. So we got to just learn from these battles, knowing that, I mean, nobody said it was going to be easy. It's, it's, it's tough to win a series. Now that we know that, I mean, it was tough to even win two games. So we got to. This should hurt everybody, and then we can come back next year even stronger. This is for uh, both of you guys being here for a couple seasons now, under contract for a couple of years. Obviously, Danny, a lot of possible changes in the offseason, but do both of you feel like you've kind of established yourselves as you know part of this team's core building blocks moving forward? Man, you never know. I might be out of here. <laughs> you never know. It's just the business of the game. I mean, we don't got no Michael Jordan here, so. Anybody can. Anybody's name could be um, in rumors. Anybody's anybody can be gone. So, but hopefully I can yeah. be here. No, we hope to stay. I hope to stay. I, yeah. know he does I don't want to so be nowhere. We'll see how I go. Unless they had the Sonics. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm just playing. Yeah, right. <laughs> Thank, you guys. Thank, you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Now, Brad, uh, Mike Petralia, WEEI, I guess, does it come down to you guys not being able to make shots? Is that really the basic problem puts, in the series? I think it put a lot of pressure on us to, you know, then play from behind in this case or whatever the case may be and, and then try to hit home runs. And, and as a result, you have some haphazard possessions and those lead to points, um, you know. But that's uh, part of it. And... You have to continue to do your best to defend on each possession, regardless if shots are falling or if the offense is, is flowing. And, uh, you know, I give our guys credit in that regard, um, especially, you know, as they continue to play through the fourth quarter. But we've got to get a lot better. I mean, that's pretty evident. And uh, we knew that. Um, but um, that's that. Coach Taylor Snow, Celtics.com. Just looking at how the series played out, what was the impact of losing Avery back in game one? We're, we're not going to make any excuses about who's not out there. I mean, obviously, Avery's a, a really good player, and, and we're thrilled he's a Celtic. Um, but we have other guys that, you know, can play too. And so um, that's, part of, that's part of your season. That's part of the way it goes. And, um, you know, you have to – Next guy's got to be up, and we've had they had some really good moments. Those next guys in this series, um, including some of the the younger guys, Terry especially. So, you know, that's part of it. Geffen Coolball with the Sports Exchange, Brad. It's the same end result as last year, a first round exit, but you guys were able to win a couple games this year and be competitive. Did you see definite progress this time around? Well, I mean, I, I think judging by the whole. The whole season, yes. I mean, I think the, um, you know, and obvi that's obvious, right? I mean, you go from 40 under 500 and barely making the playoffs and kind of eking in at the end by winning six straight to to being in the mix for a top four seed in the in the East. And so, yes, there's progress. Um, but you know, hey, people have told me all along there's two really tough tasks, right? One is is getting to be a very good, you know, competitive team at a top 10 to 15 level on offense and defense and give yourself a chance to be in the discussion we're in now. And that's been a path in the last three years to get there. Um, and the next one is tough. Um, and that's been communicated uh, before to me. And um, we're learning a lot. 
We learned a lot through this playoff series, but one of the things that I learned is we've got to get better. And um, you know what? That starts with me. I've got to get better. And then, uh, you know, I think each of our players will look at that accountably as well. And we're all, we're all going to be better the next time we take the court. Mark Murphy, Boston Hill. Brad, they hit you guys with a run at the start of the second, the start of the third. It just seemed that every time they came out, they were able to put a run on the board on you guys. What happened on your end? Well, we struggled with their speed and athleticism um, really much of the series, um, especially, you know, when, when we weren't small. And so, but then, you know, there's only so many minutes for that group. And with Jay in foul trouble um, and, you know, the fact that those guys are really good players. Um, we can do a better job than we did in the last two games in certain areas. Um, but I think we should give the Hawks credit. I mean, they, they, they are, they're, they're better right now. And uh, it pains me to say that, and it's a sour ending. But they just proved it over six games. And it's kind of the way my world works. There's a scoreboard, and if you're on the losing end, you're not as good as the other team that wins. And we've got, we've got to make strides to get there. Brad Jake Fisher, Sports Illustrated. When they start attacking Isaiah in the pick and roll down the stretch, how challenging is it to defend their offense when they're pretty much playing four on three and the ball's whipping around the perimeter and they're just finding open shooters? Well, and it's not just the, the, the guard in it. Obviously, there's a big in it too, and then there's spacing on the weak side. The, the challenging, it's not, it's not overly challenging if they're not going to knock those shots in, um, but they've got really skilled guys around and, and uh, you know, Mike Scott in the corner at the end of the at the end of the third quarter was a big shot because we had a you know, you know I talked about this the other day. As crazy as it sounds, we had a little bit of momentum cutting it to 15, um, and that with this team seems like five sometimes. And uh, but that was a huge shot, and then to get the ball back and make that shot at the end of the quarter was huge. The pick and roll is a big part of them. We did a great job in the pick and rolls in the middle throughout the first five games statistically, at least based on what, what I've evaluated. Um, and they went to a lot of their motion cutting in the last two games, which gave us fits. Um, they're a good team, and they're a, they're a savvy team, and uh, they certainly deserve to win the series. Brad, Mark Altman, Associated Press. Brad, for, for you and the team, how frustrating the shooting. I mean, nobody on this team, aside from Isaiah, could get it going in this series. and. Today, you tried to put in different lineups. You got RJ in there, and Olenek couldn't get it going, and Sullinger couldn't get it going. At some point as a coach, do you just kind of throw your hands up in the air saying, what else do I have? I mean, you've tried all the different no, combinations. I mean, no, as a coach, you got to think about what, what can you do better to help them get better looks, or what can I do better to help put us in a better position so that if a run doesn't is at 8, it doesn't go to 12. Like, you just, you know, you, you don't lose sleep over – the open shots you get, you lose sleep over the, the possessions where you don't. And, uh, you know, hey, there's guys that missed a few shots, but, you know, no, I wasn't perfect either. So um, I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not going to lay blame on the shooting by any means. Certainly it was a factor in the series. Certainly it allowed their defense to collapse and certainly pay attention to Isaiah. But I still believe in these guys, and I'm thankful for, you know, all the shots they made throughout the season that allowed us to get here. Brad, Jared White, CLNS Radio. When Isaiah hit that finger roll with about two minutes left and then Millsap went back down and got the three-point play, how do you feel the team reacted to that play? Well, I mean, obviously, I think we should have just gotten back. I don't know if that's your question or not. I mean, as far as staying, trying to stay in it after kind of a deflating blow at that point. Well, I thought they looked deflated as you would for a – Split second, but then they came. We came back and scored a few times. So, um, and we were still picking up. You know, I told them in the huddle. I said the 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 calling card of this group is that it doesn't give up. And so, we're gonna find that out because it's 27 right now. And so, you know, they gave us a chance to win a lot of games with their with that mindset. Uh, Jimmy Discano, CSN. Uh, Brad, I imagine there was a lot of disappointing uh, faces in the locker room after the game. What is it that you wanted to get through to those guys? What did you want to tell them? 
I, I think the the biggest thing is when you're when you're and and it's it's tough right now because of the emotions of the moment and losing the series, um, and the way that we lost in the last games in the last two games. But I think that um, you know from a big picture perspective, I feel good about our progress. We have great opportunities to move forward with our future flexibility. And um, and I think that over time, though tonight is sour and you have a sour feeling about it, it will make guys more more encouraged to get in the gym. I mean, this this is this is uh, you know for young guys, sour is not all bad, right? Because it's like me. I mean, I'm 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 gonna go home and watch what I can do different. I know that, and. You know, I, I hope that our guys feel the same way. They need to take some time off, but after that, you know, let's get better. You know, obviously, uh, they did a great job, you know, both defensively and offensively. Uh, we couldn't get it going offensively, but they executed well. Um, you know, they played a great pace, great tempo, and, um, you know, they had a great, uh, great series and a great 48 minutes. In that. Where has that been these two games? I mean, my friends just lost. I said, I mean, they hit shots. You know what I'm saying? And I said, they played well. You got to credit them. You know, we, we thought we, uh, defensively, you know, we thought we got better and better throughout the game. But, uh, you know, they hit, uh, they, they did what they did. We didn't, uh, we didn't answer back uh, offensively. I mean, we, didn't, we weren't able to go on uh, any runs that really stunned them. Jonas mentioned that you, know, you guys had trouble with the offensive game plan just executing there. Was that just them taking you guys out of it, or what would you, how would you um, assess it? I don't know. You know, it, it, it could be a lot of things, Matt. I mean, uh, you know, I think one thing is uh, I thought we spread it around. You know, we missed open shots. Um, you know, sometimes you probably got too deep a little bit every now and then. But, you know, uh, had to step up, make shots. We didn't make uh, many a night, and um, that was it. I feel like guys were a little tight. Okay. No, so I think I think we were trying to move the ball around. I thought we uh, we got a lot of uh, I thought our pace was pretty good to start the game. I thought we were able to uh, pop the ball around. Uh, I thought the ball got relatively moving, and uh, you know we took some more shots. I, mean, we, I thought um, just looking at the team, we were attacking. You know what I'm saying? Things just didn't go in. What do you think the difference was in the series? Ever was it the the open shots, the inability to hit what you guys would normally hit? Um. No, no, I just think we're, we're holding runs, you know what I'm saying? Uh, we, we won a lot of games once again when we struggled with our shooting. But, you know, with holding runs, you know, uh, even when we were up last game, you know, they were able to uh, go on a run and, uh, you know, uh, elevate the play. So I think it's kind of, you know, not, not hitting back right away like uh, we normally do. After this season, how disappointing is the first night? It's tough, you know what I'm saying? It's definitely tough. Uh, nobody wants to, you know, dip out, you know, first round. Um, Credit to uh, you know, credit to the Hawks. They played great. Um, they executed well, and uh, they, they did. They did. They did a great job. Toughest team of the season. It's been a very successful season as a group. Does this defeat this elimination take the luster off the season itself? I mean, season and playoffs are two different things. You know what I'm saying? Once again, uh, it's, it's it's tough. You know, it's a horrible way to end. You know, considering you know uh, you know what we were able to accomplish throughout the season. Um, you know, once again, right now, it's, everything is tough. But you know, when you sit down and you think about it, you know, you just gonna have to bounce back somehow. And that's it. Just from a firepower standpoint, without having Gabriel with a bunch of guys banged up, was it just Tough to keep pace with. Obviously, a lot of talented, experienced guys over there. Yeah, I mean, you know, once again, we uh, we, we, we mixed and matched the lineup a little bit. Um, we had a lot of guys out there doing uh, things for the first time, you know, um, gaining our uh, gain, gain experience as they went. And um, once again, you know, it's not an excuse or anything. We still had an uh, opportunity to compete, and uh, you know, you know, it just didn't work out our way. Evan, do you expect to be back here next year? Uh, I really don't know. Um, I would love to come back, but you know, at the same time, uh, a lot of things, are, uh, you know, a lot of variables that are going to occur and, and things like that that I, I can't control. So, you know, um, you know, whenever July hits, we we'll talk about it. If it's up to you, though, would you like to be back? Yeah, absolutely. But you know, at the same time, uh, you know, you got to really sit down and, and see what measures out and. Um, 
you know, do what's, you know, Danny has to do what's best for organization, and you know, I also got to do what's best for my career. How much are the factors that are most important for you? Huh? What are the factors that are most important for you? Just fit. Uh, fit, obviously. Um, you know, and uh, Evan, that's pretty much, I mean, I, I want to, you know, fit, you know, a decent amount of money, yeah, you know what I'm saying? But at the same time, the fit is going to be huge and an opportunity to play, uh, play on a winning team. You know, I, I've been playing on, I played on shit teams a couple times, so it's never fun. But, uh, you know, obviously the fit, the opportunity to play, and uh, the opportunity to progress and, um, you know, winning. How comfortable are you here? Can you put into words what Brad Stevens has done for you and these last two years? Yeah, he's done a lot. You know, I think he's helped, uh, you know, re uh, rekindle, you know, my fire for, for the game. You know, enjoy it. You know, I think uh, he's definitely helped uh, me grow as a player in regards to seeing things uh, in a big, bigger picture format. You know, um, you know, I think uh, he's definitely helped us all with, you know, becoming better pros and, um, you know, doing doing the little things, you know what I'm saying? And uh, once again, you know, he's, uh, I think everybody in this locker room is always trying to come positions to succeed. So I definitely appreciate that. And, you know, most importantly, off the court, he's a, you know, a great friend and a great guy. How comfortable are you and have you been here uh, in a Celtics uniform? Uh, you know, I've been really comfortable. Um, enjoy myself. Uh, love the city, obviously. And, um, you know, it, it's the best place I play. You know what I'm saying? You go to a lot of places or organizations, but this is true franchise. You know what I'm saying? So. Be able to, you know, play at the Garden, you know, to be able, you know, walk past Bill Russell, you know, Tommy Heinsohn and things like that. It's, it's, I mean, it's been unreal. And I'm definitely uh, glad, to, you know, say, uh, say I was able to play here and hopefully I get more chances, you know. How do you look back on this season? It's cool. You know, I think it's cool. I think, once again, I thought we all grew. Um, I thought we all took leaps, especially from last year. Um, I thought we all did a great job of being professionals and most importantly, uh, you know, in general, um, the camaraderie, you know what I'm saying? A lot of locker rooms isn't, wasn't like this locker room. I think we all generally got along. We all uh, wanted the best for each other and we all uh, <laughs> took great advantage and took uh, playing our roles very serious. So that's, that's huge. When you look back at the series, though, are you going to be specifically disappointed or frustrated in a certain area? No, you know, um, right now it's definitely tough. You know, you're upset, you lose and everything like that. Uh, it, it, you know, as a unit, you know, we probably like we could have did things better. You know, stuff plays out, it plays out. You know what I'm saying? It's already written. Um, it's tough to really look at it like that. But, I mean, just shit happens, you know what I'm saying? And hopefully, you know, um, we can learn from it, we can, we, we can take from it, and, um, you know, keep growing. Evan, how much of a factor do you expect Danny to be this offseason with the money the Celtics have to spend the draft? He's GM, anyway, the president or some shit? President of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, factor league-wide, obviously, beyond here. Um, you know, I, I think he's gonna make some moves. Obviously, I think he, uh, you know, he always has a, you know, a, you know, a big game plan in his head. You know what I'm saying? So he has a lot to work with. I think they have a lot of draft picks along with some money and um, some guys being freed up. So I, I, I mean, I think he's gonna make some great moves. How would you sell a big-time free agent on top of Boston? I mean, they play here, you know what I'm saying? Obviously, uh, you know, TD Garden's always rocking. Um, you know, City's great. And uh, once again, I mean, you're able to play for, like, one of the best franchises ever. So, it's dope. And what did Coach Steven say to you guys after the game? No, you know, he definitely was just saying, uh, you know, it's been, it's been a great year. We uh, battled back, and um, we showed a lot of resilience. And um, once again, you know, he, he's proud of us. And, um, you know, it's not over yet. We got a lot of more uh, building to do. Evan, have you had any conversations with Danny about your own future? No, it's not legal. It's illegal, right? You can't do it. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't know. I, I honestly, I haven't really worried about it. You know what I'm saying? Um, the last going to hit, the last going to hit. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to let my agent handle it. And at the same time, there's going to be a lot of different things. Danny's going to have to do his best for organization. And I'm going to have to do his best for my career. Evan, but you've talked so much about how much you love this city. Just walking off the court today, do you get any thoughts? What if this is the last game I played in the Celtics? Yeah, it would suck for sure. You know what I'm saying? Once again, uh, I love playing here. Um, I love the city and everything. It's just definitely been a blessing. So hopefully, you know, it's not my last game here in a Celtics uniform. And, um, you know, the, the coolest thing is just having the opportunity to, you know, wear, wear the uniform. I mean, I don't take that for granted, and I don't take uh, the tradition and the opportunity and, and, and um, you know, kind of like the, the, the energy around it for granted. So. Sorry. Is it the, the tough part is you go through a whole season, you look around the room and know 
there's going to be different people here next year. Yeah. I mean, that's always tough, especially considering, uh, you know, what type of chemistry we had, you know. Yeah, it's a great group of lo uh, guys in this locker room, and uh, we generally care about each other. So, you know, sometimes, you, you, you know, you hope uh, you can pull that up, you know, because um, I think the reason to our success and everything like that was our chem chemistry and our, our, and our way to buy in. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. We didn't come up to our standards. Our ball movement wasn't what what it was supposed to be, and uh, you know uh, we didn't really take advantage of, of our open shots. Uh, they did. They played well. Uh, they moved the ball, played like a unit, and uh, they were tough to beat today. And, you know, all credit to Atlanta. You guys have shown so much resolve all season long. Where, where did that go these last two games? Yeah, uh, it sucks to lose like this. Um, you know, it's, it's not fun, uh, but, you know, all, like I said, all credit to Atlanta. They, uh, they played better than us today. Uh, you know, we, we got to learn from this and, and, and be better than we were today because uh, um, I don't think we didn't think we followed the game plan as we, we should have. What did you think the difference was in this series? Um, they played better than us when it counted. They knocked down shots when it counted. Uh, they, they went on runs when uh, when they needed it and uh, played good defense. We were, we're two good defensive teams, so you know they played better defense than us. You know, than credit to Atlanta. You said you didn't, didn't follow the game plan as much as you'd like to. Where were those areas you think you guys did? Just, I just think that our ball movement wasn't what it needs to be when we when we win. So that was about it. I know it's right after the series, but how proud of you of this group? Yeah, I'm proud of, of this young group. You know, I'm, I'm the oldest one here, so, uh, you know, I hope we, we learn a lot from this, and, you know, the, the rookies and the younger guys got a lot of experience in, you know, being in the playoffs, and, you know, we got to get out of this first round, and, and then anything can happen, so uh, I'm very disappointed right now, but, like I said, we got to give credit to Atlanta. They played well, uh, tough six games. Uh, we wanted to take it to game seven, but uh, they were better than us today. What do you take from this? Um, just you know, we we had a real good chemistry in this team. Uh, you know, we like to play with each other, and, and uh, you know, uh, when we play well, we play really well. So um, we just gotta play play that w the right way more more times than not. Uh, so we'll take that with us. Injuries aren't an excuse, but how disappointing is it? Just the timing of things. Yeah, but uh, you know you can't you can't blame it on injuries. But uh, obviously it would have been great to have Avery out there. Um, he's a big piece of our team and plays defense and, and makes our defense even better and knocks down a shot. So uh, you know it, it sucks that what happened to him. George, this was a season that showed a lot of promise potential. Put into words though how disappointing it is to go out. Like I said, you know, you know I'm gonna have to go home and. And process this, you know, I didn't really want to go go home today. I wanted to go to Atlanta for Game Seven, so uh, you're gonna have to give me a few days and think about it. But uh, it's it's not fun to it in this way. Uh, so give me a few days. The, the missed shots again. You guys have a lot of losses. Wasn't going down to that. Just like build up from the frustration, kind of carry over to the other end. Of the game. Like, how do you what do you put your finger on? Not really. You just gotta make shots to win. Uh, we didn't make. What we usually make, so uh, it's tough to win games like this, especially in the playoffs if you're not making shots.